0: Um, I would like to draw your attention to Romans chapter 8 Romans chapter 8 We are in our final sermon of our sermon series that we've been in Called All of Grace And if you've heard one or two of those sermons Or none of them, it's okay I don't want you to feel like you're left out You've come at the right time This message is for you, it's for every single one of you And the topic of tonight is that we're looking at. The doctrine is called glorification. Can you guys say glorification? Glorification. I go and work out with Alex. I know you can't really tell. But in the morning. I go and there's this guy. Who works the front desk. And his name is Bernie. And he asks me for a word of the day. Every single day. And so they've all been these words of our sermon series. So I've just been sharing the gospel with him. And today I was like Glorification. And he's like, looked at me all weird. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly the look that most of you probably are giving me right now. What is glorification? And in Romans chapter 8, we see in verses 28 through 30 what is called the chain of salvation. It really is the birthplace of my whole, this whole entire sermon series. And we see this chain of verbs, these actions that God does to sinners. So we are passive And God is active. So if we are passive, what does that mean? What are we doing? Are we doing anything? No. We're receiving, right? We're receiving. But the person that is active, what is he doing? He's giving. Good job. That's right. And so we see a a few verbs here in in Romans chapter 8. And this is where there's five of them. And we did eight or we did nine in this sermon series. And so we filled in some. But look at Romans chapter 8. 26. We're going to be all over the scriptures, but this is our anchor. Romans eight twenty-eight, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. And who is God working all things together for good? For those who are called according to his sovereign purpose. For those, those whom he called... He foreknew, or you could translate that, he foreloved. Um, When it says in Genesis 3 that Adam knew Eve, it's actually the word know, is a sexual term. It's intercourse, it's becoming one flesh. He knew her intimately. And so that's the idea. God, for those whom he foreknew, knew intimately. Don't think romantically, just it's a love, it's a loving term. He foreloved. He also Predestined, to, And what's the reason? For what reason did he predetermine to save? S- to be conformed to the image of his son. So that those whom he predestined to be conformed, to be renewed, to be transformed into the image of his son. Not that we look exactly like Jesus. We don't look like Jews. We're Western Americans and some from other countries. It means spiritually. We're being conformed to the image of his son. In order, what's the purpose here? In order that he, that is Christ, might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now, Jesus wasn't really created, right? But what it means that he's the firstborn, it means that he's the heir of all things. He receives the inheritance. Now, here we get to our text. Verse 30. And those whom he predestined, he also called. So, predestined, that was our first sermon. Those whom he called, that was the second sermon at rooted. And those whom he called, he also justified. Now, he doesn't mention regeneration or conversion, but they're in there logically. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What does that mean? What does it mean that he glorified them? Now, in between justification and glorification is adoption and sanctification and preservation. Those were three sermons that we taught on. But this last piece, what does it say? Look again. It says, those whom he justified, he also glorified. Or literally, he will glorify. It's guaranteed. So if you are in Christ, you have been declared righteous. You've been adopted as a son into his family, as a daughter. You are his. His. Now, but there's one last final event of our salvation. There's a future salvation. You know, whenever we look in scripture, we see that the word salvation is used in all the tenses in the Greek. You guys know what a tense is, right? Grammar nerds in here. There's past tense, present tense, and future tense. It says, you have been saved in the past. You are being saved, present, and you will be saved. So glorification, which do you think? has to do with future. That's right. The future. This future salvation. So what is this? It's an already not yet. We're already justified. We're already adopted. We've already received Christ. We are saved. We will be preserved. But there's an aspect to our salvation in Christ that has yet to happen. Already not yet. I'm going to use that throughout the sermon. We already have it, but not yet. Not fully realized. November 18th, 2016 was a historical day in the long history of the Stead family. Stead family line, really. It was one of the happiest days of my life. I remember it was beautiful. It was sunny. Not only was it one of the most happiest days of my life, It was also one of the days I sweat the most in my life, and I'm not a sweater. It was the day that I pledged my love to Caitlin, and she accepted my request to marry her. She's going to marry me. She said, I will. I'll marry you. I would like to think that I left her speechless, but no, I didn't. You know, when I got down on one knee, she was expecting it. It was supposed to be a surprise, It was beautiful. It was at the beach. It was just all set up. I had Lauren Dirks taking pictures. She didn't even know. Caitlin didn't even know she was there. I was wearing my my iron pants and everything. It's just a great day. It was one of the happiest days of my life. It really was. And I gave her that ring, and she put on that ring. And that was a pledge, a token. Now, today, like, a ring doesn't mean much in our culture, but it really is, it's, it's an already, she's, she's pledged to be mine. There's a ring, she, I put a ring on it, right? All the single ladies, all, you know, <laughs> I put a ring on it. She's taken, she's off the market now, right? And <laughs> that was a day of, of, of tears, of, of joy, of laughter. We had a feast, we celebrated, family came, it was, it was awesome, And so she was mine. But what followed, however, was the longest six months of my life. And it seemed like years, especially wedding planning, which I tried to escape with all my life. But somehow I I got involved and had opinions. And it was like six months of just straight war, just war in the family in, in everyone's home, just stress, tears. Well, at the same time, I'm longing. I can't wait for that day. Excitement. My wife got, my wife, my fiance, Caitlin, got sick. She got bronchitis. I think she had walking pneumonia. There was sickness. There was arguments. We were, there was weariness. There was depression, despair. There was family disputes. Man, it was tough. It was long. It was, you know, what color napkins are we going to have? What plates? You know, who are we going to invite? Definitely not the Smiths, you know. They're not bringing, getting a good gift or whatever. You know, I'm just kidding. That's terrible. You have to go through the list of all the people that you love and be like, sorry, I'm, no, I'm not on that. It's hard. It was, it was like a battleground. And so there was this already, she's, she's mine. I have the, the ring on her finger. And already there's excitement. There's joy. And then there's the not yet, this Period. But you know what kept us going amidst all the excitement, wanting, uh, waiting, and suffering? It was that future glory, that future day, the day that was coming when all the promises that I had pledged would become realized. When all the kind words that I've said would become fully realized, when those promises will become complete. See, there's an already not yet, that future glory that was coming and that future day gave us real hope as we trudged through those six months. Well, in the same way in the Christian life is lived in the already not yet. We are in, for those of you that are in Christ, you have all the promises in Christ. They, they find their yes and amen in Jesus, but we still struggle. You guys feel that sometimes. There is suffering. There is trial. There is tears. There is war. There is brokenness. There is sickness. We have been looking at all the things already, that the last eight sermons, and now we're looking at the not yet. and that's what we're exploring tonight. Just as some of you dream of your wedding day, we're going to look, that future day. We're going to look at four aspects regarding our future glory. What? Heaven, what's going to happen? Good question. And that's what glorification is. It's the final act of God's grace and, and the final benefit of salvation for all who are in Christ Jesus by faith. And why is this vital for you? Why is this important for you right now? It's because all of these four aspects are a means of hope for you in the present. General, The Surgeon General just came out with this, this statistic where... I think over 45% of people your age. He's calling it a mental health crisis. You struggle with depression, despair, suicide numbers are through the roof. We live in a very hopeless, lonely, isolated time. And know what you need? You need future hope. You need hope now. And that's what I want to give you. That's what Christ wants to give you. That's what Christmas is all about. So do you want hope? Well, if so, then you need to listen. Listen. To these beautiful truths. And the first hope. Of the Christian faith. This future glory is. Our future resurrection. What is glorification? What consists of glorification? Our future resurrection. We are going to. Be raised from the dead. Glorification. To a believer happens. At the last day. At the second coming of Jesus Christ. Christ, okay it is not glorification does not happen right when you die did you know that i didn't realize that until i started studying this whenever you read of glorification it always has to do with our physical bodies being united once again with our souls in eternity. And when you die, the moment you die, immediately you will be in the presence of the Lord, but it will be your, uh, it'll be your soul that's in the presence of the Lord. Hard to comprehend, but that's what the Bible teaches. And you will be holy. You'll be able to stand in his presence. You will know Jesus and your bodies, which will lie in the grave, will still be united to Christ. But there is a day when God will raise up our physical bodies. (laughs) And we will have a physical, real body united with our soul forever. This is what is called the bodily resurrection. This is one aspect of glorification. It's our future resurrection. Just as Christ died and rose again. He had a real physical body. What did Thomas do? He, He put his hand in his side and felt the holes in his wrist. You know, they could hardly recognize Jesus because his body had been transformed while at the same time he was still recognizable. He was given a new glorified body. Jesus Christ went through glorification. He rose bodily. Well, in the same way, where Christ goes, we go. We're in union with Christ. What he does happens to us. We who are in Christ, we will be raised bodily. Philippians 3, you could write this down. I'll just read it for you. Philippians 3, 20 through 21 says says this, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. If your vision of heaven is like, you're just like some angel looking thing floating on a cloud playing a stupid harp, that is the wrong vision of heaven. That is not what it's like. No offense if that's what you thought, because I did for a very long time. This is going to be way better. 1 Thessalonians four thirteen, it kind of talks about the coming of the Lord and our glorification. It says, but we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, those that have died, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus Jesus, God will bring with him those who have already fallen asleep or died. For this, we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Here's the key. Listen to this, First, uh, First Corinthians Thessalonians 4:16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry and a command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of a trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Glorification is a one-time event and it happens to every single Christian at the same exact time. All together, every saint that has already fallen asleep, every Christian from the past, uh, the present, and even in, in the future, well, that we don't know of, that come to Christ, we will all raise together as one body with Jesus, bodily. So if our death, think about it this way, when we die... That's like infinity war, okay? Glorification, that's end game, okay? Right? There, when you die, your soul is with, with Jesus, but it's not yet complete. There's still a work to do. Jesus comes back, and then he, make, he, he, bring, he finishes it all. It's end game, all right? You get it? Maybe not, that's fine. There's a period of time This happens when Christ comes back. Now, why does this give us present hope? How does this give us hope today? How does a bodily resurrection give us hope? Well, because currently all of you have bodies that are subject to sickness, pain, suffering, disease, aging. You have blemishes. You have flaws. You have aches. Deformities. I think of the person uh, I preached at a church and there is a blind man that was there. Don't you think that this is somewhat of a hopeful message for him? That his body will be renewed and made new and, and he'll be given a new body, a resurrected body? This is the good news of Christmas, of Christianity. It meets our present needs with a future hope promised in Christ because sin has effects. It affects us. Some of you are young, you don't see this yet. But some of you have friends who are going through sickness, who are, who are dying, who have ailments. I have a cousin who has Down syndrome. And I can't wait to see how elated he will be when he is given a, 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 a future body and resurrected and made new and made right. The blind receiving sight, deaf, uh, hearing mute speech. You will all die someday. You will experience sickness. Your body will age. And the good news isn't that you need to escape the body. Everyone's trying to escape the body today. That's why there's filters on your Snapchat and Instagram. Why? To cover up the blemishes. You want a resurrected body in this life. And so they do this by giving Facetune. To make you look like the perfect you. Or maybe... The whole transgender idea. I, I, I'm a man trapped in a girl's body. And so they're, they're trying to... I, I'm trying to understand that, <laughs> honestly. It's sad. But what, what culture says is you need to fix that now. Here are some puberty blockers. Here are some things that you could take. A surgery that you could go through in order to have a resurrected body. Here's some Botox that you could take. Here's a diet that you need to go on to stay fit. They want a resurrected body in this life. But that's only promised in Christ. They're going to age. They're going to die. They're going to be eaten by worms. Everyone's trying to escape the body. What do you think the virtual world, the meta-universe, everyone heard about that? The metaverse? The virtual reality, you know the goggles? People literally are building their lives in a virtual reality. Why? Why? Because they want something better than what their real life is. What they're looking for is only provided in Christ. It's the big ploy. All things will be made right. We'll be made perfectly human. We won't be made divine. We won't be made like God. But we'll be perfectly human. All made right. And that is good news. Found in Jesus. But if that wasn't enough, there's more good news. Our future, and point number two second aspect of glorification is our future transformation transformation i'm going to read first corinthians so what happens on that day we are going to be conformed to the image of christ not only will we have a physical body but we're going to be given a body that could, is fit for the spiritual realm that is fit to be in god's presence we need sin to be purged out of our bodies so look at this first corinthians 15 you could turn there with me, because that's actually a good a good place to turn to. First Corinthians fifteen. So not only do we have a future resurrection, but we have a future transformation in glorification. That's what it means. That's the second aspect. First Corinthians fifteen. Look at verse 42. Verse 42. I like the sound of Bible's turn. That's great. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, but what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It's talking about the resurrected body, the glorification. It is sown in a natural body. It is raised in a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus, it is written... The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life giving spirit. But it's not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from earth, a man of dust. That's Adam. That's us. We're in Adam. But the second man, that is Jesus Christ, is from heaven. And those who are in Christ are also, we've been born again. Verse 48. And was the man of dust, as was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust, as is the man of heaven. So also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. That's the key word. Now here it is. Look at this. I tell you, brothers, flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom of God. You need more than a physical body, he's saying nor does the perishable inherit with the imperishable. But behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and the mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come the pass the saying that is written: "Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? We will all be changed in a moment, in an instant. And the whole idea is that we're going to be given a spiritual body. It's physical yet spiritual. It's made fit to stand in the presence of God. You guys know the, the, you know what the temple is, right? Middle schoolers, you know what the temple is, right? Now, who were the only people that were allowed to go into the temple? Beans. Priests. That's right. Now, could the priests just wear any garb and just go in there wearing their their Crocs and Carhartt beanies and Lululemon? No, there's no women that were priests, so that would be kind of weird. I have Lululemon pants, though, not the spandex. That's never mind. They're they're for golfing. They're very comfortable. You can make fun of me. My wife thinks they're cute, so whatever. (laughs) What do they have to wear? They have to wear a certain garb, right? Why? Because they're entering into a holy place. They can't just walk in there in their physical bodies. They need to wear a certain outfit, which signified, which pointed to the fact that they needed to be holy. They weren't fit to be in the presence of God. Well, in the same way on that final day, God will, yes, raise us bodily, but he will also give us a body that is fit to stand in the kingdom of God, the temple of God, which will be this earth made new forever and ever. And how does this give us a present hope? One, if you're a sinner and you don't know Jesus, it isn't a present hope because flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. It says that in the text. Just like I can't enter Europe without a passport. You need a spiritual body. You need to be born again. But for those of you that have received Christ and are currently and are currently feeling the weight of sin, have you ever like just struggled with ongoing sin and you have just cried out to the Lord? I remember periods of time. Just crying out to the Lord. Like, hey, God, take this away. You feel that weight. That, that, that spiritual pain and angst, that burden. And you long for God to take that away? I think of Romans chapter 7 when Paul says, I do the very things I do not want to do. And what does he say? He says, O wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? And then he says, Thanks be to God. He casts his mind to the future hope. Romans 8. It's all about future glory. And so if you are falling into despair, this is one of the most depressing ages, like you guys are just, a lot of you, people your age are just depressed. You're hopeless, you're in despair. You worry over your sinful state. You need to cast your mind to the future hope. That's why this is encouraging. God will purge it all away. No more tears, no more temptation. Pure deliverance, holiness. In a twinkling of an eye, you will be changed. That's beautiful. That's hope. That's what we long for in this life. It keeps our mind focused on heaven, not on this world. But not only individual sinners will be transformed on that day, but also, point number three, we see glorification entire, and, and, and encapsulates our future home. Not only will sinners be transformed, but the whole entire cosmos will be made new. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but it's awesome. Our future home. You know that our future home, I believe, will be this earth made new. Because even this earth is affected by sin. What was the curse, right? Thorns and thistles will come out of the ground. We'll try to cultivate it, right? There's tornadoes. There's, you know... Hurricanes, that's right, there's earthquakes. This earth is, is, is marred by sin. Sin has a, an effect on creation. Look at Romans chapter 8. If you think that I'm crazy, God says that the trees cry out. Look at this. For I consider the sufferings, of, uh, Romans eight eighteen. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory, that is glorification, that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Your cat, your dog, yeah, believe it or not, your cat is longing. Longing to be given a physical body into the shape of a dog. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Some of you love cats. It's fine. I love cats. Lions. Those are are the cats that I like. Did you hear that though? For the creation, listen, the creation waits eagerly is longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Verse 22, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. When you go on rock cut, have you ever listened to the trees just groan? Uh, Have you heard that? (laughs) You've heard your dog do it. (laughs) Groaning, groaning. Because even, you know, our dogs are subject to sickness, right? I believe that animals will be in the new heavens and new earth. Why do I believe that? Because Jesus comes down on a horse. I mean, come on. It's horses at least. But all of creation is groaning to be made new. And when God comes back, when Jesus comes back, he is going to make all things new. He's going to make it all Right? No more will I have to pick up leaves in the fall. I have to shovel my driveway in the winter. (laughs) We don't know everything. But we know that creation is longing to be made right. And Jesus will do that. And why does this, how does this give us hope today? Think about it. Because what mankind longs for in terms of society change is only what Christ provides. Think of all the climate change cult leaders, pretty much. It's a religion. The earth is falling apart and all of these things. We need to save Mother Earth because we're extracting things from Mother Earth as if we're stealing from the earth. God gave us the earth to steward for his glory. It's for us. It's such a backward way of thinking. It makes earth God. Or this takes our hope off of future polit- off, off of politics and government as being God to provide for all of our needs. No, God will make all things right. He is the one that's going to do it. Our future hope is in Him and what He is going to do. And until then, we share the gospel. We reach our neighbors. We love our neighbors. We we live extremely generous lives. Why can we be generous? Because we know we have a future home. Our inheritance is in heaven. This frees us from worry. Some of you need to turn off the news and start looking to the good news of Jesus. I've never met someone who, who is genuinely happy who watches the news all the time. <laughs> They're just depressed on the right and left Every that put their hope in politics. Stop, turn it off, look to Jesus. We have a future hope and glory in Christ. He will make all things new. And the fourth aspect, the final one, the the most glorious one, is our final salvation. Or our final salvation will be our accomplished salvation. So I did our future resurrected bodies, our future transformation. Um, Point number three was our future home. And now we have our final salvation the finality of it, the end game of it, it's finally going to be accomplished. When all the blessings that we have in Christ will be finally realized, that final day is the wedding day. It's the full realization of the promise. Remember the the ring that I promised, that I gave, it signified when I gave it to Caitlin My love, it was a pledge. And in the same way, though we who are in Christ have already been adopted, we've already been justified, we're already being sanctified, we've already been given new life, our glorification on that day, we will be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Romans 8, this is the telos, this is the purpose. Romans 8, 29 says for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, why? To be conformed to the image of his son. So ultimately, the future hope is that we will be made and conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We have yet to experience the full effects of our justification. Remember in our justification, God declares us what? Come on, say it with passion. What? What? righteous but do you feel righteous no No. No. but do you know that if you're in Christ that you have been declared righteous yes but there will be a day when that when you will realize the, the full effects will come to fruition will come to reality full consummation when we stand before our savior think about that day Our king, our captain, our older brother, our prophet, our priest. And we will stand and we will look at him and we'll be conformed into his image. In Ephesians 5, the famous wedding passage. It's a beautiful passage. Where am I here? It says... Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word so that he might present her, the church, the bride, to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such things that she might be holy and without blemish. That is what's going to happen when we're fully conformed into his image. 1 John Three, he's trying to capture this for us. When John says, behold. I love that word, behold. Hey, this should get your attention. Behold. See the kind of love. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are already. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now already and what we will be not yet has yet appeared but we know that when he appears we shall be like him because he shall we shall we shall see him as he is we will look into our savior's eyes i love weddings i love them and my favorite part is when the bride comes out of her chamber or wherever she's at. And that's the classical, traditional sense. And who is she being escorted by, usually? The father. And the father is bringing her down the aisle in this splendid, beautiful, majestic white dress. Pictures of purity and holiness. And the father is bringing her down as a love gift to the groom, right? All that the father has given me will come to me. God has given Jesus a people who is a love gift. It's a love gift to Jesus. And the father is bringing down the bride. I love the moment in the the wedding. And you know what I love to do in that moment? I love to look at the groom. And I love to see his reaction when he sees the bride. And some are more emotional than others. But I love that look when he gazes at her with such affection you guys are like, that's so romantic. <laughs> but with affection. And that's exactly what will happen on that day as Christ prese- as the Father presents us to Christ. And He looks at us with affection and love. And, and He sees the beauty of the holiness that He has washed us with. Oh, what a day to see the groom's reaction. <laughs> to see Jesus as we see Him as He is. But that's not all. As we're presented... To Jesus, washed and sanctified and pure. Know what he will do? He will take us by the hand. He will look us in the eyes. And he will say, all that is mine is yours. And you know what we will get to say? Song of Solomon 2, verse 16. My beloved is mine and I am his. All that is mine is yours. And all that is mine is yours. (laughs) Oh, what a day that will be. When our adoption, our justification will be fully realized. That's going to happen. If you are a Christian, this is your guaranteed end. This is our future glory now. It's our present hope. The already not yet. And how does this future glory change us today? The real question is this. How could it not? How could it not change the way that we live today? If that's all that is ours in Jesus this future and final salvation is the cure for what the sin infected world needs. Your friends, your family members, those that don't know Jesus, they need this. They don't have it. And then also, the future glory, this glorification, is the fuel for discouraged Christians. And if you're discouraged tonight, you feel like you're the, this is for the weary pilgrim, the bruised and beaten saint. You feel beaten. The injured soldier for Christ. If that's you, glorification is the motive to keep on going. Press on. Remember that scene in Lord of the Rings when they're on the slopes of Mordor and Frodo is passed out pretty much and Sam takes him into his arms. And what does he do? How does he encourage him? He says... Remember the shire, right? He points them to, to the future hope when we get to go back to the shire. Remember the, the strawberries? He starts to remind him of all those blessings that the heavenly place gives. To, it's encouraging and it encouraged Sam and then he picks up some of you, you're like Frodo, you're passed out and Sam just picks them up and takes them all the way. That's what we have in Christ. It's fuel for, for us to live for him. I love that picture because why does it fuel us? Because you long for that day to look your savior in the eyes and to collapse into his sturdy arms and to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. All that is mine is yours. Enter in to my presence forevermore. That's the story of Christmas. That's why Jesus came. And for those of you that do not know Jesus, I pity, I pity you. I'm sad for you because you do not have hope. You try to seek glory in this temporal world, but it will never give it. You'll never find it. You will seek, but never find Everything that you need and long for is found in Jesus. You need forgiveness, righteousness, restoration, and transformation. And you can't find it, and you will not find it. And this is why we celebrate Jesus. This is why we celebrate Christmas. Because Jesus was sent on a rescue mission to save sinners like you. And He accomplished that salvation for you, as a, for you, as a free gift. And he promises to those who come to him by faith that all who come to me, I will lavish my free grace upon you. All the riches. This is the future glory that can become yours tonight by faith. So look to Jesus for all your salvation. Every aspect of it is found in Christ. And in conclusion of the sermon series, I shouldn't have titled it all of grace. I should have titled it all of Christ. Because salvation from first to last is all found in Jesus Christ. From A to Z, past, present, future, it's all in Jesus. You will either have a whole Savior, a whole Christ, who provides all of your salvation for you, or you will have none of Christ. Every single doctrine, they're all found in Jesus Christ. Our whole salvation, all of its parts and, uh, and all of its components are in Jesus We shall therefore take care not to derive the least portion of it anywhere. Come to Jesus. Look to him. Its Salvation is found in Christ alone. And he is your hope today. And he is your hope this Christmas season. And he is your only hope for the future glory forevermore. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for